Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a message on the benefits of Christ. We've got no righteousness, we've got no bargaining chips, we've got no peace offering, but you know what? There is one person who does have exactly what we need to make peace with God, and his name is Jesus. He is what we need, and he has what we need. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt, Senior Pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana. I'm Tim Svoboda. There's a lack of peace in our world today, no doubt about it. But today on The Journey, Pastor Steve reminds us that as discord and strife seem to escalate globally, Christ, our unchanging anchor, extends a promise of peace to his children. We're learning about a peace that transcends understanding and offers refuge in the storm. More online at thejourney.fm. Here's Pastor Steve concluding a message titled, Peace I Give. Peace is a major theme in the Upper Room Discourse. And Jesus gets on this theme of peace because his disciples, as he's telling them that he's leaving, they are not experiencing peace. They are greatly troubled. They are in distress. And so I call this section in the Upper Room, Pax Christus, the peace of Christ, the peace that Jesus offers to his disciples, and that includes us here today. And that peace is a very different peace than Pax Romana. It is Pax Christus. So with that, let's turn to John chapter 14, beginning in verse 27. Now, most of this message is gonna be about Pax Christus, peace of Christ, but there's some other really important things that Jesus says I wanna talk about, and then we'll get to Uh, to the peace. And so these things I'm just introducing with, did you know? Okay. Did you know? Did you know? Okay. So we've got some, did you knows here? Here's the first one. Did you know that Jesus was looking forward to ascending and returning to God, the father? Jesus says here, if you realized what it means for me to get to return to God, the father, you all would be so happy for me you would be rejoicing with me. So Christian, rejoice that Jesus is there and someday you'll be there too. And it's gonna be great, okay? It's gonna be great. Here's the second did you know. Did you know that God the Father is greater than Jesus? Look at what he says in verse 28. For the Father is greater than I. Within the Trinity, there is leadership. There is an org chart, if you will. And at the top of the org chart within the Trinity is God the Father. He is the one that is leading. He is the one that is purposing and planning. He is the one that is sending. He sent the Son. He sent the Spirit. Yet, each member within the Trinity, equal value, equal worth, sharing the same divine nature. Jesus celebrates the Father's leadership and gladly submits to him. So in that way, the Father is greater. That's what he's getting at. He is the leader of the Trinity. 
but he is not essentially greater. They are co-equal. Are you with me? Okay, so that's what that means. Here's a third did you know. Did you know that Satan is, we'll fill in the blank here. Here's what Jesus says. I will no longer talk with you, for the, much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Satan has a certain authority in this world that God has given to him, but it is not an ultimate authority. Okay, so he is a ruler, but he is not sovereign. He is not the ultimate authority in this world. And note that Jesus here says about Satan, he has no claim on me. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a morally perfect life. Therefore, Satan has no claim, no jurisdiction over Jesus. And this is what then allows Jesus to die, not for his sins, but to shed his precious blood for our sins, those that Satan has a claim over, and to set us free. Who has a claim on us? We could ask the question. God has a claim on us. He paid the price. I am his and am his forever. Amen? Okay, amen. That's a wonderful truth. All right, rest of the message, I wanna talk about peace. Okay, because that's the main theme here. Pax Christus. But here is how Jesus says it in the upper room. Again, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Talk about a calming word for the disciples of Jesus, including the disciples here today. This is a word for all of us. And it's a helpful word because I think our world is as crazy right now as it has ever been. Do you sense that? And the fear and the stress and, you know, even this time of year, people are, you know, carrying burdens and stressed out about everything and the, and the geopolitical stuff and, and local stuff, all of it adds to the stress and the anxiety. Maybe you're here today. Your life is today as stressed as it has ever been. I can't think of a better word in the whole Bible for you than the one before us today. Jesus offers peace. He offers peace. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Anybody here not need a little more peace in their life? I think we all do. Well, what does it mean? Well, it's critical here that we understand what kind of peace Jesus is offering and how we access it. And that theme of peace, by the way, this is a major theme throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is so much about peace. In the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. The word shalom means to be complete, to be, to be whole, okay? It means that like all the categories of life are going great. We might say it this way, I'm hitting on all cylinders right now. Like everywhere I look, everything is reconciled, everything is flourishing, everything is full. We tend to think about peace more narrowly than that. Like if I would have caught you before the service and said, hey, are you at peace? You would have probably thought to yourself, you mean, do I feel inside me peace? Do I have peace of mind? But that kind of peace can oftentimes be misled. 
I think about a quote from Star Wars where the Sith Emperor declares, once more the Sith shall rule the galaxy and we shall have peace. Sith peace, okay? That doesn't sound like good peace to me, does it to you? That's Pax Romana, by the way. There was peace with the sword. Is that what Jesus is saying here? Someday there will be at least nobody fighting with each other. Friends, realize that peace is not the absence of hostility, okay? The absence of fighting is not the presence of peace. This is like in marriage. If I was to ask you, are you and your spouse at peace? You could say, well, we aren't yelling at each other right now as we sit here in church. We are at peace for the few precious moments that we are with the gathered congregation. Is that peace in marriage? No. And it's not peace biblically either. Peace is not the absence of fighting. It is the presence of restoration and reconciliation. It is an active peace. It is a kind of prospering wholeness. That is what shalom is. You want to know what the opposite of peace is? The opposite of peace is trouble. Trouble. And notice what Jesus says here. Let not your hearts be troubled. I looked up troubled in the thesaurus. There were 53 immediate synonyms for troubled. Why so many? <laughs> because trouble is a huge part of the normal human experience in a broken world. The Greek word for troubled, it means to be stirred up. It means riot, okay? Inside you, everything's stirred up. It's like there's a riot going on inside of you. Your life is in chaos. You've got questions everywhere. Nothing feels like wholeness and fullness and flourishing. You've got trouble. And yet Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. I offer peace. What kind of peace do you offer, Jesus? There's three dimensions to the peace that Jesus offers. Here's the first one and the most important one. Jesus offers vertical peace. Jesus offers vertical peace. You might be here today and say, I didn't know I needed vertical peace. And many people live their life and they don't realize that the natural condition of a human being apart from the grace of God is hostility from God towards sin and sinners. Some examples, Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Ephesians 5, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Sin has created the absence of peace vertically between humanity and God. And the Bible says that God isn't just merely up there, you know, blase about it, that he has active anger, Romans 1, wrath, the wrath of God, towards sinners. So you might be here today and think, when we think about peace, you're like, oh, the peace I need is peace with my sister or peace with my coworker. And you may not realize the peace that you need is peace with God. You need peace with your creator because apart from the grace of God, you are under the wrath of God, not just today, but forever. And the challenge for sinners is that we have nothing to offer God to make peace with him. 
All our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. All the good things you're trying to do, even coming to church here today, maybe you think in your mind, well, this will, God's gonna kind of you know, bless me and I'm gonna have peace with God because after all, I got up and went to church today. No, you have nothing to offer God. We have nothing to offer God, nothing to make peace with him. We've got no righteousness. We've got no bargaining chips. We've got no peace offering. But you know what? There is one person who does have exactly what we need to make peace with God, and his name is Jesus. He is what we need, and he has what we need. Specifically, he has righteousness. He is the Holy One. What if, just imagine with me a moment, what if the person who has all the righteousness chose by his grace to become a mediating advocate between us and God in order to accomplish peace with him? Would that not be the greatest news that you'd ever heard in your whole life? And that is exactly who Jesus is and what he has chosen to do. He has become a mediator, you know, coming between two parties that are not at peace with each other. There's Jesus in between mediating and offering to God the Father exactly what we need in order to have peace with him. This is what he did. Listen to these verses, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's how we have peace with God. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. Romans 8 verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. All of our attempts to obey the law couldn't make peace with God. How did he do it? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. These and so many other verses in the Bible all describe how Jesus makes vertical peace. He makes it possible for us, for those who believe in Jesus, the result of that faith in him and that righteousness coming to us, Romans 5 verse 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, what do we have? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian, how does that sound to you? To realize that is your present reality right now. That God the Father, Satan's got no claim on you, and God the Father views you here right now in this moment, not with hostility, but with the presence of righteous peace, that we are at peace with God, and the promise of God through justification is, I'm never gonna bring all that up again. I declare you righteous forever and ever. Amen. How's that sound? Okay, that's great for Christians. We love it. And if you're here today and you're a not yet Christian, because I'm hoping you'll become one, what better offer do you get than that one to be right with God? Than the Son of God mediating, providing peace between you and God the Father. And I, maybe this message would be, God would use this to draw your heart to say, you know what? I am going to, I've been thinking about it. I'm going to trust in Christ. I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm in. I believe. I'm following Jesus now. I pray that you would do that today. And then, 
our hearts are no longer troubled, not like they were. We have peace inwardly because we have peace vertically. We are at peace inwardly because we are at peace vertically. The vertical is the critical. Now, it's not the only peace, thankfully, that Jesus offers. It goes on to offer horizontal peace, okay? It's one thing to be reconciled with God, and that's awesome, but what about being reconciled horizontally with other people? Look at what uh, Ephesians 2 says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, there's a lot of words there. The context is the Jew-Gentile ethnic hatred and religious hatred. Paul writes this and he says, you gotta realize that Jesus has not just made peace vertically, he's taken away the wall of hostility between brothers and sisters, yes, of a different ethnicity, but that you are all now one in Christ. And the point is this, if the gospel can bring peace to an ancient hatred like the Jew-Gentile hatred, what can you do with you and your brother and you and your spouse and you and your neighbor? Jesus and the gospel brings peace horizontally. There is a, a power to that. By the way, a local church is called to put that on beautiful display in our community. This kind of harmony with one another, this unity with one another. Are you putting on display the peace that we have with one another here in this local church? That is part of our responsibility because the peace and the harmony that, and the love that we have with one another is intended to make the unbelieving world curious about how we get along so well. So let's get along so well, okay? Let's get along so well that the world may know that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Indeed, I would say this, the greater, that I, the greater I treasure the vertical and what God has done for me, the more flexing and gracious and loving I am in the horizontal relationships. You find two Christians who are like, bam, 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 like this. You can say a lot of things about that, but one thing is they've forgotten what God has done for them. How might a relationship, a key relationship in your life be improved by your treasuring greater what Jesus and God the Father have done to bring peace vertically? The the stronger this is, the more this is celebrated and loved, the more this happens. And maybe you have forgotten God's grace to you as you judge somebody in your family, friend, whatever. The vertical inspires the horizontal. And again, you might say, okay, I'm not gonna yell anymore. I'm leaving church today, I'm not gonna yell. Remember, shalom is not the absence of hostility. It is the presence of love. The gospel activates horizontal love that we have tasted vertically from God. And so specifically, how might God be calling you to gospel peace over these holidays, perhaps with family members with whom you have struggled? 
You likely have a Christmas tree in your home, but do you have gospel peace in your home? That's what that tree is reminding us of, right? Okay. Jesus came. He brought peace. Peace on earth. Peace in my heart. Let the one remind you of the need for the other. Finally and quickly, inward peace. Okay, Inward peace. So we have vertical peace, horizontal peace, inward peace. And when we talk about peace, typically this is the peace that people want to have that sense of well-being inside of us about our lives and our relationships and even our future, this kind of subjective peace. People want this. You know, if you could come up with a permanent inward peace drug, you'd be a trillionaire. Everybody would buy it. And what we see here in John 14 is that it is not a pill. It is a person. His name is Jesus. And what he offers here is peace on all categories, but inward peace is a byproduct of vertical peace. You can't just start with inward peace. That's the mistake people make. I just want to feel good inside. I'll do anything to feel good inside, to get rid of the pain inside. You can't start there. You got to start with the vertical and the forgiveness and the righteousness and, and uh, the gospel so to ask the question, are you right with God? Are you at objective peace with God by faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because that vertical creates the inward as the byproduct. Notice that Jesus says this about the peace that he offers. My peace I give not as the world gives. Our world offers peace, right? There's all kinds of people trying to provide peace to people. Pax Romana was peace by the sword. There are other poxes. Pox money, pox success, pox health, pox sex, pox fill in the blank. And our world's been doing that for centuries. And yet, what do we find in the world? Hearts that are troubled and a humanity that is longing for peace. The world doesn't have it, but Jesus has it and he offers it to us. Pax Christus. This is why the prophecy for his birth was this. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Pastor Steve DeWitt with a profound reminder that in Jesus, we have not only a source of guidance and strength, but a peace that transcends understanding. You're listening to The Journey in the conclusion of a message called Peace I Give. If you missed the first part or you'd like to hear other messages from the Upper Room series, you'll find them online at thejourney.fm. You can also listen to our podcast. Just search for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Well, here on The Journey, our aim is to guide you in your life journey towards the unwavering and immutable truth found in God's Word. That's why each day on the radio and internet, we take you into the depth of Scripture while making its truth easy to understand and applicable to your daily life. But as a listener-supported program, none of this would be possible without you. The journey relies in part on the financial gifts of our generous listening family. Your support helps keep us on the radio and internet, sharing the gospel with listeners worldwide so that men and women can discover and enjoy the peace of Christ in their own lives. 
So would you help by giving a generous gift today? You can call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And as a thank you for your generous gift, we'll send you The Upper Room. It's a book written by best-selling author John MacArthur. This remarkable book offers a biblical exploration of the last words spoken by our Lord during his final moments with his disciples. This book will help readers find solace and strength, embracing the truth of God's word and the comfort of his presence in our fallen world. You can request your copy today by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. Well, I'm Tim Svoboda, inviting you to join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve DeWitt shares another encouraging message from the Upper Room series. That's Thursday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.